You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This is episode number 266. We're discussing the modern age of DC film. I'm your host, Tim. And I'm Carlos. And guys, we got a very special episode for you this week. It is the kickoff to a two-part podcast event. We'll be crossing over with the Let's Go podcast to bring you a holistic look at the modern age of DC film, both past and present. Today's episode is part one, where we'll be looking at the past. We'll be looking back from Man of Steel to Zack Snyder's Justice League, an era of DC film bookended by Zack Snyder films and arguably completely defined by said director. Part two, we'll be looking at the future and it'll be over on the Let's Go feed. Now, we can't have a crossover without some rad dudes. So it's our pleasure <laughs> to introduce and welcome both Justin and Chris from Let's Go Podcasting. Gentlemen, it's a pleasure to have you here and I'm really looking forward to this two-part discussion. Oh, man. I can't wait, man. I've been actually, like, kind of chomping at the bit. It's been one of those things. Not that we don't talk about it enough, but kind of like as a encapsulated, like, section. It's almost like ADBC. You know what I'm saying? Like, I kind of feel yeah. like I never thought of it that way. And so I was kind of excited to, like, take a chunk and, like, place it on a table and kind of look at it. So I'm, I'm hyped, man. I can't wait to talk about it. It's going to be a great time. I'm very excited. I don't know about putting chunks on the table, but I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, yeah. man, when we get to some of those movies, there'll be some chunks oh. on the table. Chunks on the screen, chunks on the ceiling. <laughs> there's going to be some chunks, dudes. A lot of chunks, man. <laughs> well, guys, again, it's a pleasure to have you here, and I'm looking forward to jumping into this. But so that our listeners can have an opportunity to get to know you guys a little bit. I know a lot of people have listened over to Let's Go and seen some of the live streams and all that. But for those that don't know you, we're going to throw ourselves straight into this weekend or something that we always yes. do at the top of these episodes. And so, Justin, I'm going to throw it to you first, yeah. man. What's been going on? Kind of fill the listeners in a little bit here on what you've been up to over the last couple of weeks. I know you've been on vacation. I've been doing it. Have you been on the hunt at all? What are you doing? What are you watching? What's, what's in your nerd space right now? Yeah, my nerd space. Uh, actually, I've been really into the King Kong and Godzilla stuff. We've been kind of rewatching all that stuff, and so still kind of uh, reveling in that because my I have two boys, and you know, eleven and eight, and they always want to just continue to talk about it. So right now, it's everybody versus versus versus. Like, oh, dad, what would happen if <laughs> you know King Kong fought like Darth Vader? That type of stuff. So my eleven year olds <laughs> always hit me with like crazy stories. Hey, dad, what? And then on the most random moments, like eating dinner. Hey, dad, what would happen if this? And so. We're always having these like nerdy conversations, like it's just throughout the day. Um, but on the hunt, man, I don't hunt as much for myself anymore. And I think we've shared this a little bit before. I'm always hunting for my son because he is a Star yeah. Wars nut. And so uh, this weekend I was on vacation a little bit with my wife for our anniversary. Shout out, wife. What's up? Uh, Congratulations. <laughs> 14 years. Hey. But uh, wow. we were sitting awesome. by the pool and there was a part where she was just doing something. And I was looking at Big Bad Toy Store. I got a little, a little update. And um, I was like, oh, and my kid's birthday's coming up. So um, I ordered some stuff for him. So uh, some vintage collection figures. He likes those nice. guys a lot. So I got like the new um, Darth Maul and then um, I think Anakin and then uh, Luke 
uh, Beth, the Hoth Luke. There's a new Hoth Luke coming out, so I or, I pre-ordered some figures for him. So yeah, I mean, there's my there's my hunt, but bro, I was I've been finishing up uh, Superman uh, Up in the Sky, the Tom King story. I don't know if you all read that. So oh, yes. good, and I'm like halfway through it. And so yeah, so I was I just been kind of like going through my backlog because I've been so busy with like life and everything else. But yeah, that that's been like my my weekend geek, man. It's been uh it's been nice. It's been nice. Ah, that's yeah, awesome. Man, that up in the sky. That's one of the best Superman stories I think I've read in the last decade. Yeah, my, my heart's like swelling as I read it, you know. And it's it's like the it's like the Superman like uh like content like I think a lot of people miss because it wasn't like in the monthlies and it kind of got lost in those Walmart books. But I'm telling you, man, if you love Superman, this book, dude, it's 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 gonna give you the feelings. And I haven't even finished it yet. You know, my guy Matt Ritchie's like, you gotta finish it. And so I was trying to finish it this weekend. And then <laughs> my son actually read more of it than I did. He was really into it. So yeah, it was good. Yeah, man, I love that one. I read it digitally and just like you said, your heart swells reading it. Yeah. So ended up buying the floppies and then I bought my daughter the hardcover when it came out because she's the big Superman honk in the in the family and I was like you, you gotta read this like he literally travels through space to save you yeah the kind of little girl kind of looks like her oh. so I was like here you go Dude. here you go yeah. the universe met you to have this <laughs> yeah that's good that's, that's awesome good that's awesome I love the big bad toy store too it <laughs> it's it's a dangerous site and it's a little bit more dangerous for us up here because of the shipping costs I, oh. I am envious that you don't have to pay the exorbitant amount of money to get it one across the border and two get it to get it to your house. <laughs> you know, let me tell you, like I don't know, I don't, I keep going back to them, but like last year I ordered my son for his birthday. His birthday's in June, and I actually ordered him a figure, the the Cara Dune figure, actually, which is you know ironic with everything that happened. But I ordered that thing, and it finally came. Like maybe what was it like two months ago, Chris? I was like telling you, like that thing came, like that. It came two months ago. It was like almost Did a year. Open it? Huh? Yeah, he opened it. He was like, he doesn't, he doesn't know anything about <laughs> drama. He was just like, there she is. There's, there's my lady. So, I would have stuck it on eBay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. My dad, the dad yeah. feels came in. No, he was it. like, he was so hyped for it, but it took like forever, man. So, yeah, yeah. I used to order case packs of Black Series figures off oh, of Big Bad gosh. because they're the only way I could get some of those figures. But it would cost a fortune. It cost yeah. me thirty, forty, fifty bucks to get it up here. Oh wow! On top of the already you know expensive figures plus exchange rate, it was yeah. nuts. But were you able to sell some of them off though? The extras that would come in a box, or because it, it's a case, it's not like a, a complete run. It's like you get everything but extras, right? Yeah. So the original Black Series, when I used to do this, it was the blue card stuff, and it was one per case. And Big Bad allows you to order six figures or eight figures. So it's like eight figures per case. And there's usually two uh, two duplicates, but they'll also give you a shortened case where they'll just sell you the six single figures. And so that's how I used to do it. So I didn't end up with doubles, oh, which man. cut down on the cost quite a bit, but it's still, it's all shipping, right? And yeah. we do some of the, with Carlos here, we've done a couple of times the pile of loot stuff where you can throw a bunch of stuff and everyone and we split the shipping and it makes it a bit more economic yeah. to get figures up here, especially for stuff that we can't get our hands on conveniently. Uh, we're, we're slowly running out of stores that sell this stuff up here mm. in Canada. <laughs> so yeah. it, um, it's but not great. You also have Toys R Us, right? We do have still have oh. Toys R Us. And so we do benefit uh, there, but they, yeah, they always lag. That. And we end up with a lot of the exclusives too in Toys R Us from Target and all that that we don't have up here. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah it works. I miss Toys R Us. Yeah. It's slim, yeah. though, too, out here. I mean, Target. I, every time I go to Target, nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Well, Scalpers. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's funny, too, because I think up here in Canada, we have this perception that everything is available. 
down in the States. And then I hear from every collector I know that's in the States, like, yeah, there's nothing down here. <laughs> yeah, nothing, man. Yeah, like that, that Batman uh, battering replica that I got. Oh, like, everybody wanted one when I posted. I was like, oh, I didn't know this was a thing. Yeah. So I went back to get one. I got one for Justin and one from for another buddy. But everybody's like, well, I can't find it either. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Scalpers just kind of picked them up and that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that scalp game is a, is a tough one. So, um, how about you, Chris? Man, what have you been what have you been up to this last weekend, nerd or so? I've also been catching up on stuff. Uh, for the first time, I started to read All Star Superman because oh. you know Zeddy and I do that show, so that was a new thing for me. I watched the movie, which I thought was cool, but then I've been reading the book, and I love that book. Yeah, that is some quality Superman in that book. Um, so I've been reading through that. I also subscribe to Marvel Unlimited because I don't get enough comics as it is. <laughs> so I thought, let's just go ahead and dive into that. So I've been reading Civil War. Nice. A um, little bit of Moon Knight, which I probably shouldn't because once I start reading that, I'm not going to read anything else. No, you won't. <laughs> I love Moon Knight. So it's it's really cool to me. They have everything. Yeah, yeah it's, it's such a cool – I have it too. I subscribe. But I find myself just going back and reading – stuff from 10 years ago i'm not reading much of the current stuff yeah but no, i, I, I don't just want the current stuff love deep diving into yeah civil war that whole bendis era of avengers is is great i love that yeah mm-hmm. bendis works best at marvel that's kind of my opinion of him he needs to stay there that's his <laughs> is he still doing superman or is he off that he's off no, no he's doing justice off. league yeah, justice yeah. league so kind of is well, that's the where his most Superman. successful stuff was, I found, yeah. was the Avengers for Marvel, at least. And his Daredevil. Yeah. Oh, man. Daredevil, Daredevil for sure. His early Daredevil stuff, too. Yeah. 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 So I've been doing a lot of Marvel, read, Marvel reading. And then I decided to go down the the route of watching all the Crow films again. <laughs> okay. So that that's a good time. I uh, started with the first one, of course. I love that one. Seen it countless times over the years. It gets better with age. Then you watch the first 15 minutes of City of Angels and you're questioning life. But I'll get through it. <laughs> I'll get through that one. The goal is to finally sit through the Edward Furlong one again. That is the goal. Oh man. Oh. Oh, I've to be honest it. with you, I don't think I've seen past one or yeah. the first one. Yeah. I think most one people it's just pro film. <laughs> yeah. Chris yeah, I, film. Film. I didn't even know there was a third, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there is. Yeah. The fourth what? one is actually the Edward Furlong one. Yeah. The oh, there's third a fourth. one. <laughs> Yeah, the third one was almost released into theaters, but they pulled it the last minute for whatever reason. I think common sense hit them. Mm. Uh, there was also the TV series. Yeah, too. the TV show was cool. It was, yeah, yeah it, was, it wasn't bad. It was, it's better than the sequels. Isn't Kirsten Dunst in the Edward Furlong one? No, she's in that third one, which I forget the name of. Okay. It. I want to say it's called Salvation, maybe. Oh, probably. Sounds like it's also got that guy Eric Mabius who they tried to make hot for a while, but it didn't catch. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was his name. He was in Cruel Intentions. Oh man, he was uh, like the '90s Taylor Kitsch. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Perfect example. <laughs> that that guy's like the kiss of death, man. You put him in your movie, and that thing is VOD bound. R.I.P. John was... Carter. Oh, but I really, I was really excited for that movie, John Carter. <laughs> yeah, they just and... didn't market it well, man. No, John Carter. Uh, John Carter. Like, yeah. put Mars in the title. That's what people want to hear. Mars. Yeah, yeah. They want space. Yeah. <laughs> no, they just want Taylor Kitsch. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's what they thought. They we thought wanted. they did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not. Yeah. But that, that's been my week. Crow Wicked. stuff. Marvel. Superman. Man, that's a, that's a diverse week. Let me tell you. <laughs> the place. I do what what I can. A... Plus Batwoman. Yeah, oh. of course. Of course, man. You guys have been putting yourselves through that. I hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's dude. a thing yeah, these 
these guys owe me a couple hours. Yeah. Hey, it's it's hard just to read the reviews, man. I'm like, I can't watch the show. <laughs> <laughs> What's well, funny? I, I see the post go up on Twitter. It's like, yeah, we reviewed another episode of it. <laughs> That's usually what my announcements like. Yeah. <laughs> Coming soon. Oh, wicked, wicked. What about you, Carlos? Man, what you get up to this week? Uh, you know what? In the same vein as these guys, I was catching up on a bunch of reading. So I was about three or four issues behind with Immortal Hulk. So dove into that and it's starting to round back into form. You could you could tell that there was that point where Ewing had his story nailed down and then where Marvel was like, well, we don't want you to do 35 issues. We want you to do 50. <laughs> and so kind of you kind of saw the stretch marks a little bit. But man, as they round into these last five, ten issues, it's super strong. And I'm I'm fascinated to see where where he takes the story and where the Hulk's gonna be after all said and done. And this is gonna be a tough act to follow. Like yeah. I think they almost have to put the the book on hiatus for a bit and just have him do team up stuff and crossover stuff. Which would be new for the universe too because um while Immortal Hulk has been going on, he's kind of been on the shelf and not doing the crossover stuff. So yeah. um yeah, caught up with those, caught up with um symbiote spider-man it was pretty um the, <laughs> like I, I was so i was so excited when that book was coming out because i i love peter david and like his hulk run is yeah. one of my formative comic book reading things but man like that that book is it's not great but the art in this last one was spectacular and um it had that tangential tie into king and in black and finished off king and black which was pretty cool I kind of liked how Donny Cates was playing with all those things that came out in the early '90s when those series one Marvel cards came out. <laughs> he was he was going through all those Marvel cards. You could tell by the time the resolution of that book played out. So, yeah, that was that. And then uh, I I took a hit in honor of Zeddy and and Chris here and. <laughs> started working through those CW shows stacked up on my PVR. Oh. <laughs> man, they're uh, they're pretty rough. Like I I was really rooting for Batwoman and you know those first episodes I I was cheerleading on the show here but man th- these last ones were like near unwatchable. Yeah. Like it was rough Trash. and <laughs> Supergirl like I don't know like they should have just done a, a 1 hour 90 minute TV movie and just been done with it and try, <laughs> instead of trying to squeeze out these last few episodes. But uh, eh, it is what it is. Yeah. They're in that weird transition phase, right? Like kind of going to the HBO CW model. So all, all I can say is come back, Superman. Come back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man, am I ever looking forward to that show returning? Is it like five yeah. more weeks? What is it? Where oh, are we it's so, it's such a long hiatus. Which there's so much so. hype, like five weeks of of just this like beautiful show they put to screen yeah and the hype around it was was so real and it's just nope seven weeks they should just held it and like start it now and then that way it just all plays out that it's like i did it like this what i it's funny because you look at sometimes the the way they release certain things and you're you're right why didn't they just hold on to this they had enough momentum with things like Zack Snyder's justice league and godzilla vs kong and you know maybe they're trying to get in front of something (laughs) i don't know (laughs) maybe we could talk about that later but it it feels it felt like a a weird place to drop something when you had other content to point people at yes it is i guess on the cw and that maybe they are looking to hit you know performance indicators for the first part of the year or whatever but it just seemed that they're going to lose a lot of that 
that momentum that they had mm -hmm. and getting people back into watching it. You know, they got a hit with a real banger coming out of that first episode after this big, long hiatus. And we're used to these winter breaks or whatever, as they've been called. But this one just kind of caught me off guard. I was quite shocked. And my wife, who isn't a, a real superhero TV watcher, was very disappointed when I told her it was yeah. going on a seven-week hiatus. So... Yeah, and then like I'm, I'm quite envious of you guys. To be honest with you, doing all this comic book catching up, it's something that I've been telling myself for like the last like six months that I'm going to do every <laughs> single week. I leave the podcast. I'm like, okay, this is the week when I catch up on on comic books, and I, I failed to do that. But I I was out on a, a little bit of a hunt. I don't get a lot of plastic these days just because it's just not around. And so I, I found myself over the last couple of weeks dipping back into collecting old VHS tapes for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I found they're on, they're, they are plastic, <laughs> I guess. And I, this is where, and I think for most of us where we did a lot of our film watching was on VHS tapes. Mm -hmm. Like I went to the theater for the big stuff, but as a kid, it's basically burning out those VHS tapes and having the auto rewinder. That's where I watched most of my films. It wasn't until later in life when I was quite a bit older, you know, into university when a DVD started to really take the place of VHS. And so VHS have this special place in, inside of me and this piece of nostalgia when it comes to these specific movies, especially like Star Wars and that special edition, all these. And I found myself buying a special edition widescreen Phantom Menace edition vhs edition. like it's so ridiculous sounding but i i loved it this thing i bought it off a lady and it was basically i think i was the first one to take the vhs tape out of the the nice little slip cover i had all in there it this thing is in pristine condition it's like it charged me like 10 bucks for it i was so excited about it i got it all nicely cleaned up took some photos which i'll throw up on our instagram page but it's it's this weird addiction because i can't find anything else and so i've slipped into collecting these VHS tapes. And I just use them as accent pieces yeah. to the collection, kind of just sitting at, because all those covers are so iconic. Yeah. Like if I, if I rattle off a bunch of movies, you could all tell me what the covers look like on those VHS tapes. Oh yeah. That's fun. So it was a, a nice little trip down, down memory lane for me. I've got a few more on my list, like TMNT from the 1990 oh, and some of the back to future one. ones that yeah. I got to get. Uh, I picked up Jurassic park a little while ago and back to the back to future one. And nice. so at, uh, it's a it's a little side collection as everything else is on the back burner right now. <laughs> you know who might have that TMNT is Sunny. Oh, I'm it sure might he have does. my my parents' address on it, but I'm sure that that was one of the ones he grabbed off me when we were moving them out of their old house. So that's hilarious. I I have my originals at home with my parents, and I'm not gonna get there. Like I haven't been see my parents in like a year and a half. But when we drive out there this year, I'm gonna. My dad's already got them all set. I got Secret of the U's and TMNT and the uh, 89 Batman oh, that him and I watched to I'm, death as well. I wish I still had that. I wish I had my VHS because there's just so many memories with that. Oh, it, yeah. it's so cool. And I even like that it's like the ones I have at home are beat up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a bit of a story. And it's got that, that yellow logo. I know Pete's uh, big fan of. <laughs> yeah, hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> yellow oval. <laughs> so yeah. Yellow oval. yeah yeah there it is yellow logo it's coming back guys coming back in flash <laughs> we're gonna talk about that oh run let's go here in a little bit in a not too distant future but guys we got we got to spend some time now looking back at the modern age of dc film here and we're defining the modern age here you can argue this whether if you want but from 2013's man of steel forward and so that's what we're going to be concentrating on here all the way up to Zack Snyder's justice league and then let's go crew here is going to pick us up on the other side of that. But 
when you look at the modern age of, of DC film, you can't help but also think about the Dark Knight trilogy. Now, we're not going to talk about that, but you've got to think about that film a little bit because one could argue that the modern age of DC film actually kicks off with, say, the Dark Knight, the same year as Iron Man. But when you're looking at, I guess, the, what we're calling the, the, the modern age, it's, it's really when that cinematic universe style of filmmaking takes hold. And that's, of course, with, with Man of Steel. The Dark Knight, I think, brought a lot more eyeballs to the genre and demonstrated that it could, like Iron Man did, could be wildly successful at the box office. But in that time, really, with The Dark Knight, no one was thinking beyond a trilogy. No one was thinking beyond Batman there. And it's not until you get to Man of Steel, and maybe even beyond that, when you really start to see DC take some strides towards building some of this cinematic universe. And we'll talk about as we go here, kind of a bit chronologically through the years, through those films on how you can see some reactionary decisions that were made by DC film to Marvel. And we're going to bring Marvel into this discussion too, not to compare films or compare success, but it is something that's running parallel at the same time that the modern age of DC film is really kicking off here. And it's kind of a good way to calibrate what DC is doing and some of the decision-making. I think you can see through that. So let's look at uh, the start here. And I encourage you guys to to jump in, to bring in the Dark Knight, bring in even some of the the legacy films from the past, Batman's 89, how that has influenced really the modern era. When we talk about the gold, silver, and bronze age of comics, they all heavily influence what we're seeing now in the modern age of comics. And I think we see that a lot with with comic book movie films. There's a lot of undertones and there's a lot of thematic elements that we see that are bought and extracted directly out of some of those films. Specifically, in some cases, the darker tones that we do see in some of these films. Mm -hmm. And with the way that The Dark Knight and that trilogy was more grounded, I think at the onset, DC had made some decision, taken some notes from The Dark Knight trilogy to kick off this, this modern age with Man of Steel in 2013 now this thing debuts to about 160 million dollars in its opening weekend so a very substantial opening at the box often goes on to accumulate almost 700 million dollars worldwide mm-hmm. so this isn't a failure by any means yeah. but it is met with with some underwhelming feeling for what superman was you yeah. know it wouldn't have superman in the title the first superman film did not have superman in the title man of steel taking cues from, of course, the Dark Knight there and trying to rebrand this a little bit. So, Mm -hmm. Justin, fill me in a little bit here where your headspace is at with kind of this modern era, this early part of DC film and and Man of Steel. You know, where was your mindset at coming off the back end of the Dark Knight trilogy and walking into their soft reboot of this universe and trying to lay out a cinematic universe? Yeah, man. You know, actually, when we start talking about this, it started kicking me back to... Uh, when Green Lantern came out, uh, mm. was that 2011? Yeah, man. Because yeah. yeah, there was an interview with uh, Charles Robin, who was like, I forget what his role was. He was he was a big wig at WB. Let's just say that big wig. And he was on the cover of some magazine. He actually had the Green Lantern ring on, and it was all Charles Robin's plan for the DC universe. And he says in the the article, and you know, I'm gonna misquote an article from like you know 2010, 2011, or whatever. But uh, they they were kind of considering, hey, Nolan's thing's gonna wrap up. And we're going to move into, uh, you know, some DC films. And he mentions 
Green Lantern's kicking it off, and then we're going to move into Super. We have a Superman film in the works, and I think they even called it Man of Steel. It's coming. Um, I don't know if there's casting or anything yet, but he said Justice League is a priority for us. And so this is before Avengers hit. You know, they knew Avengers was coming because at mm. that time you already kind of got the the Nick Fury reveal in Iron Man, and so. He said in that article, and I think you can look it up, just Google Charles Roven Green Lantern interview and it'll come up. And he says Justice League is a priority. And so there was some kind of a plan to get to, uh, you know, all their characters, their most popular IPs, you know. Uh, and so when Man- when Green Lantern kind of bombed, because there was always a rumor that a Green Lantern ring was going to fly through and, and go by Clark Kent, but you're never going to see Clark Kent, but it was going to go like by his Daily Planet desk or something like that. And that wouldn't have worked anyways with Man of Steel, but there was this plan. <laughs> and um, so once, uh, you know, when everyone announced, uh, you know, Zack Snyder was working on it, I remember getting really excited. I was like, oh, dang, they're bringing 300 dude in, you know? Uh, okay. And immediately I thought, this is a response to Superman Returns. You know, everything with Warner Brothers is so reactionary. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's never, it's never like, oh, we're going to do this because we have this cool story. It's like, we have to be the anti- or the opposite of what we put out here. We can't do Superman Returns again. We or we and we have to be like what Marvel did, or we have to do this. And so, um, but I was kind of excited. I was like, hey, I'm gonna get a new Superman film. I kind of wanted Brendan Routh to get his, but uh, you know, his sequel, but uh, you know, didn't happen. But yeah, I got I was excited. I was just kind of like, I'm open-handed a lot on stuff because I, I don't have a say. <laughs> you know, I just have to like, I'm not writing the checks. You know, I'm not directing. So I'm just like, let me see. Let's see what we got. And, you know, as stuff came out, um, I got excited. That first reveal of Henry Cavill in front of the mm-hmm. bank. I remember being yeah. at the aquarium looking at it on my phone. My wife was like, what are you looking at? And I was like, the new Superman. She's like, she could care less. And I was like, I was like, oh, man, he looks really cool. I thought he, I liked the S and everything. Just that reveal was cool. So, yeah, I got really excited, you know, once things started coming out. Yeah, it's an interesting thing that you're bringing about Green Lanterns and kind of that 2011 space. And as they're waiting for Nolan to wrap his trilogy up in 2012, and you got to think at that time, there's there's someone looking over the fence, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, Marvel's building to the Avengers. They've got six, seven films. They've got more announced coming after. You know, by the time we get to end of 2013, they've got eight films already yeah. produced inside of their cinematic universe and in that same space they wrapped up arguably one of the best superhero film trilogies of all time but then they're starting from scratch you know without the success of of 2011's green lantern and with the kickoff of man of steel you got to wonder is is that the right way chris was man of steel the right way for wb to kick this whole thing off you know not just calling it superman not just saying this is our our flagship ip our flagship character you know is was man of steel the right choice you know in retrospect as much as i love man of steel it's what it's what made me a superman fan because before man of steel like when they announced i was like uh okay <laughs> whatever i'll watch it he was like i want I crow more... films give me some more crow <laughs> <Right>. films <laughs> can we bring That's back right. edward furlong can he be clark Kent? can we do that <laughs> No, <laughs> I just wasn't that into Superman at the time. And I was much more into the Marvel stuff going, you know, at that point, because I, you know, I loved everything we got from Marvel up to that point. And then we also had, like you said, the Dark Knight trilogy. So I was like, okay, I like this stuff. I'm not really a Superman fan. I don't care about it. But then of course, when it came out, I love it now. I don't really have a bad word about it, but I don't think that's what we needed because they were trying to, it felt like they were trying to replicate what Nolan did. I mean, mm-hmm. Nolan's even a producer on yep. it. They were trying to yeah. do Nolan without having Nolan there. 
and they handed the keys to the city to someone who has very different film sensibilities than Nolan, which is what they wanted. Mm. And so I think that, you know, not to tear the film apart, because like I said, I like it, but I think they should have went with a completely different tone that maybe was similar to what we were seeing from the competition. You know, especially if that's what they want anyway, why are you trying so hard not to be that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and then again, having Nolan there to kind of just not even babysit, just to be there to say, okay, I like this. You can do this, but don't do that. I don't think that helps things. Yeah. No. Yeah. And it, it's, look, like Justin said, it's reactionary. I think, mm-hmm. and, I, and I don't disagree with you. I really like Man of Steel. I do. It, yeah, I love it, it was, to me, it maybe it didn't capture the essence of, the character that we had seen before, but yeah. it, it was a little different, right? It, it provided more of this grounded look, but that film to me, at least the tone of it and the direction they went with it, it's a direct reaction to the success of the dark Knight trilogy. Okay. People love this dark stuff. People want something that looks like and feels like this. Yeah. And then they went down that path. Carlos thoughts on that one. Cause I know these are two big characters for you. Yeah. And just to build on what the fellas are saying, like I, got and i love man of steel like i think it's one of the best comic book movies out there but um to build on what justin was saying like the reason it went the route it did and the reason that christopher nolan probably got one of the sweetest checks that he's ever received (laughs) for doing very little is because they saw what happened with green lantern and they're like shoot we took our shot we didn't have the result that we wanted Mm -hmm. and we got this batman thing that worked really well and we'll get the guy that made Batman a success to make sure that we don't have another Green Lantern style faceplant. And because Green Lantern was kind of big and bombastic and bright, we'll go back to this kind of darker, more grounded um, sensibility for this. And yeah, you, you have Snyder there who, like I think at that point in time, was in a place where he could have been molded. And I think if you work with him and do some of the things that we kind of saw with what was Zack Snyder's Justice League, you could have had like probably a perfect Superman movie that would have given you a a bit of that Marvel and a bit of what you had done with the Dark Knight trilogy. But because they were in such a weird headspace and didn't trust the material, didn't trust the filmmaker... And we're trying to sidestep Green Lantern, mm-hmm. but re redo Christopher Nolan. They ended up in something that didn't quite sit well with everybody, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it, but I fully understand mm-hmm. why it left pe- some people cold. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. To me, going back to it, I think it still has one of the best scores in, in the DC universe. I love it. Oh, yeah what they did in that and even the hints and tones that we get in it in Zack Snyder's Justice League 2 with all the Lois Lane scenes I was like yes like that's one of those scores that brings me back it's not the original John Williams Superman score but man Zimmer did something special in that one and I I mm-hmm. really appreciate kind of the subtlety of it and the way they've continued to weave that in that's a consistent thing they've done through this universe is anytime you see Superman or his extended supporting cast boom there's that score and I, I love that score yeah. except except in Shazam, I, I was like, I wish they would have played that. Yeah, one, you know, true. But, you yeah, know. true. <laughs> get get ahead of the game. Get ahead of the game. But like, you know, uh, there's a little bit of a fake cameo. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things though is, I'm like, oh crap, am I allowed to talk about this? Okay, whatever. I'm just gonna talk about it. Uh, 
is Nolan was supposed to shepherd this stuff anyways, the DC stuff. Mm -hmm. Once uh, Snyder and um, Goyer pushed back on the next snap, that's when Nolan washed his hands of the whole thing. He was like, fine. Because he did, he, he did want to shepherd these things. And a lot of people say like he wanted it, them all to be disconnected. That's not true at all. He was going to kind of shepherd a DC universe, and which would have included Batman. Maybe not his Batman, but a different iteration of this. You know, mm -hmm. um, that's why the if you look at the the Wayne logo on the satellite, you know that's that that wasn't just like a wink and a nod. That was like this is there's a world here, and yeah. once he realized he didn't have his hands on the wheel, he was out. So yeah. there you go. I mean, yeah. kind of a bummer. Who knows what would have happened, but... Well, and that's Would have had John Blake Batman in BVS. Oh, gosh. <laughs> no. He died night two, guys. He died. He slipped. Night two. He slipped off a gargoyle, man, and just... Yeah. Boom. He got into that, that cave and fell straight down. He fell in the cave. I don't think he made the jump of the tumbler. He didn't even make it. He didn't even get the cowl on. <laughs> he put the boots on and just slipped. Whoa. <laughs> Now, now when we're, we're, we're talking about reactionary decisions here. Now, yeah. once we get through Man of Steel, June debut, July 2013, San Diego Comic-Con, yeah. Snyder comes out and announces that we're going to have a massive crossover. And this was met with incredible fanfare. If you go back onto yeah. YouTube and watch this reveal when he starts reading from The Dark Knight Returns and the, the wheels, the gear starts spinning in the crowd, and then they announce it there, and they show the logo. Boom. Yeah. There it is. You got the Bat logo and the Super. I can't remember which. They might have went Superman and Batman, or doesn't really matter. But it's there, right? They they're doing the the crossover of their their two titans, really. And yeah. I think this is a direct result of what's going on at Marvel. Is that we're going to not give you the solo Batman film. We're not going to we're going to drive towards this. You're going to get Batman, Superman, or Wonder Woman. This is this is a humongous film. And if executed properly, this this sets you up for for so much going forward. Yeah. But but once we get to 2016, three years later, three years out for this film to be produced, it, it's a different story. When you look again, I'm going to continue to come back to this. Look at Marvel; they put out up they're up to to 14 films by the time you get through 2016. Wow! In this, and you've got Winter Soldier in there, Guardians of the Galaxy coming out in 14. You've got Civil War, Doctor Strange, of course, in 2016 as well. Ant Man, Age of Ultron is in there. They've had their second big team up, and now we're beyond 2013 we're into the era of batman versus superman and guys you can go back and check out the nerd room and let's go's commentary around batman versus superman that we dropped in the anticipation and build up to Zack snyder's justice league to get our yeah. full thoughts there but it's a film that we can't skip over when we're mm -hmm. talking about the past of the modern era or the modern age of dc film and carlos i i want to i we're not going to reha rehash anything that we've talked about but let's look at the decisions that were made looking at, leading up to that. You were quite heavily involved in this. And what, what's what's your headspace and what is going on kind of in that 2013 to 2016 window where this universe is, is waiting for the next step? We're all waiting for this mega crossover. Man, I like to this day, I think that that was the best decision they could have ever made was to do as your second film out the Superman Batman crossover movie, just not that <laughs> Superman Batman <laughs> yes. crossover movie. Because <laughs> like on paper and reading the landscape, you're like you said, like there's no doubt about it. They're trying to catch up to Marvel, but there is 
there is a hundred different examples of how to do that movie and to do it in a way that your audience is going to embrace it, that you're going to further develop your Superman character, that you're going to bring in a Batman that everybody loves and embraces. And like, you could have simply done like issue three of John Byrne's Man of Steel series, yes. which, oh, man. which is yes. basically like, yeah, it's like Superman's origin story. And it's like, oh, okay, I've been around for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, and uh, I'm cleaning things up. Let's go to Gotham City. I don't like how this guy rolls. And then you, you know, you can have that conflict, like the things that Matt Wagner did with his Trinity and World Finest series, like Darwin Cook has done this stuff. Like everybody, Dan Jurgens has done first meeting stuff where uh -huh. they have an adversarial relationship. But like when you have a Batman versus Superman movie, you can have a heroic Batman and a heroic Superman that don't see eye to eye yeah. at first. But it doesn't have to end up with one guy trying to stab the other guy in the face. Like yeah. we don't we don't need to get there. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that's the fatal flaw of going there with that second movie. It's not that they went there. Mm -hmm. It's not that Batman needed a solo movie. It's that they made the decisions that they did with that. And then you add on to that Wonder Woman, which honestly, that was just God giving Zack Snyder a bit of grace and saying like, dude, I got to give you a win because you're going to take the biggest L on this thing. So that Zimmer score kicks in and it's like, oh, okay, yeah. people might stick around for, for the next uh, turn on this roller coaster kind of thing. But um yeah, I, I think I think the decision to do this was astute by Warner Brothers, but man, they needed to have somebody shepherding where it was going. They needed to have that story nailed down because you got to remember, like, they didn't necessarily even have that story nailed down because they got pushed back yeah. almost yeah. a year. Yeah. yeah. And so, what are you doing? Like, what what are you doing there? And stuff like the nightmare sequence. There's interviews with him. I think it's actually on the the Blu-ray. Yeah. Where he's like, "Ah, oh, I just had this idea, and you know, I asked them, and they said they'd pay for it." It's like, dude, really? <laughs> this nightmare thing that's now at the core of your five film arc was yeah. just something you woke up one day and was like, "He had a nightmare oh. sequence." <laughs> I had yeah. a dream. Shouldn't have eaten that burrito before I went to bed. <laughs> but uh, man, I love what yeah, you're saying because. Like, we're on the same page because what I was thinking was like, man, how amazing would it have been? We don't need another Batman like sequel right off the bat, right? Like, so sure, team them up in the second movie. I'm okay with that. But having a, a young Batman and a young Superman just starting out, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like having this like, hey, my ideals are, are different, you know, having them go at it that way would just be, I think it would have made more sense and united them sooner. Um, but it was like, we have to have a, like the dark Knight returns crammed in here and, uh, the death of Superman yeah. crammed in here. Like what you did is you just, you, you, you crammed four different payoffs into your second film. It's like, man, we could have worked towards those things. Like as a, the DC universe is so rich in crazy stories and like interconnectedness, like you could have built towards these types of stories and you blew the whole, you know, load in issue two and you have nowhere else to really go. You have a Superman no one misses and a Batman who's like completely off his rocker. Like you're not going to get the audience invested in those guys because it's so like um, and, and I like the film. I, like I always say, I, li I like 72 percent of this film, <laughs> but it's, it's just it's just it just misses so much of what could have established a rich universe. 
so yeah mm -hmm. it, it does it does try to do a lot in that film and it's always been this lightning rod inside of any nerd community for discussion you know you've got your extreme ends of it and you've got people i think most of us sit kind of in the middle i think there's there's highlights there and there's parts that just don't work and it it is interesting when you look at it and compare it to what's going on outside of the dc universe and and what they're trying to do here and carlos i love that perspective too that, that both you and justin brought about this being the right decision i've never honestly thought it was the right decision i thought it was too much too quick but your points about bringing the universe and maybe escalating it just not in this way was the best way for them to, to build it quickly without having to dump out 14 films to get to the mm -hmm. point where you have your big crossovers like mm -hmm. marvel was doing in civil war and age of ultron the year before and the the same year in 2016 and so chris like what, what are your thoughts on on the construction of the universe to this point with Batman's vs. Superman debuting in 2016. Well, I, I agree that it probably was the right decision, especially like coming from a Batman fan who I didn't think we were going to see Batman again on screen for the next 10 years. So to get this film announced was just a huge deal. It's like, yes, Batman's coming back. Cool. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you hear Ben Affleck's Batman like, oh, even better. I'm in on this. Yeah. And then we got the film and... To be honest with you guys, the first time I saw it was at a fan screening I won a ticket to because I saw the um, the trailer at like an event and you automatically got a ticket for the movie a year later. So I was in there with a bunch of fans. And so at the end of the movie, everybody stood up and started clapping, like going nuts for it. And I'm sitting there with my face in my hands like, what did I just watch? What the hell was this? <laughs> I, I feel you, man. Like I told the story on our record. My wife turns to me and she's like, that was so awesome. And I was like, I think I hated this movie. <laughs> yeah, that's we where I was at. Didn't... <laughs> I was like, why did I just watch Superman die? I don't even know this guy, and I'm supposed to care about this. Yeah. yeah. He just got brutally murdered. But that said, um, I do love the extended version, the three-hour one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, it it's a big game changer for me. But the thing for me is with this, the construction was fine. They tried to put all their apples in one basket. Whatever happened, happened. They let it roll. My biggest issue was the killing of Superman because, like, yeah. Justin and Carlos said, that to me is the biggest sin this movie commits. Because mm -hmm. once you kill Superman, you've just cut the head off the dragon. What are we supposed to do now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You and then you just roll right into Justice League. Like, why couldn't we have a movie in between? Because and it was the dawn me, of justice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to me, that, that's the dawn of it. Is where the problem is yeah. and that's where the construction issues come because they laid out the plans we had a quality batman with ben affleck who was you know the loft maybe but he comes around at the end thanks to martha we have <laughs> aquaman we have the flash stealing milk or whatever the hell he was doing we have wonder woman making one hell of an entrance yeah but yeah then you still have well what do we do with superman he is a pillar of the dc community and it's a huge deal for these for these films. What are you supposed to do now? So yeah. that's that's where I take issue. The rest yeah. of the movie, like Justin said, seventy two percent, cool. Yeah, that last can't do it. Not for me. Yeah, and like with Superman dying, you want the way people felt at the end of Infinity War. You want yeah. the mm -hmm. fans. You want the crowd gasping, yeah. people crying. Like a, you could hear a pin drop when the snap happened in Infinity War, where all these characters are going, and it's not. It's it's because people were emotionally invested in that. You yeah. know, you want people being like, I have to go see. Like, it does Superman come back? 
And in the build-up to Justice League, which we'll get to here in a few minutes, they don't show Superman ever in, I think, any of the promo material. You know, he's just no. absent, mm-hmm. if I remember right. He's not even on the posters. Yeah. And no, so it's it's an interesting way to promote the Justice League without arguably the, one of the characters that define the Justice League. Ironically, the template for how you could have done this seamlessly and in a furiously crowd-pleasing way was just last week with Godzilla versus Kong. Yep. You do something that's just 15 degrees off from that, mm-hmm. and you've got a banger of a movie, right? Yep. Like, just imagine if BVS ended with Batman and Superman tag-teaming up with the two of them taking out Metallo. Like, yeah. 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 Some Something a little simpler. Yeah, I think anyone even... but yeah. Doomsday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something where Batman cool, can be though. relevant, almost. Yeah. But... We wouldn't be having this crossover record if they didn't put that particular movie out. We <laughs> 16. So, silver linings, fellas. Yeah, yeah, silver no, linings. And, well, like and the, one of the movies that comes later in 2016, and I think again is another reaction, is David Ayer's Suicide Squad. Yeah. Now, this film, I think, if you go back to the original trailer, it had a very different tone. And Ayer's spoken up in the last couple of weeks about where his film was meant to go and the tone of that film and striking more of of the tone we'd seen in the DC film universe up until this point. And then comes Guardians and then comes the need of a, I believe it was a, a trailer company that recut the film in some capacity yeah. to give it this more poppy feel, the addition of some music, some neon lights and tweaking of some of the characters to to produce a film that, if I'm being honest with you from the trailers, I was pretty stoked to see. You know, I thought it was a cool concept, this ragtag group of, of villains, if you will, that come together and, and have a bit of fun on the other side and, you know, releasing some of the shackles too of what we've seen on the other side of the fence with Marvel. They were very straight-laced, very kind of formulaic, and this one had the potential to to open up and embrace more where they've gone now into that kind of, PG-13 that are not necessarily needing the the true like blood splatter and, and swearing violence, but something that was a little bit off-brand from what we had seen. Yeah. And then we get Suicide Squad. You know, we can argue all day about that film, but it definitely was meant to, to strike a tone and to change a tone within the DC film universe. Chris, when you saw this film, again, when you're watching the trailers and you're sitting in the film, in the theater... And the film ends. How how are you feeling about Suicide Squad compared to what you thought you were getting when you went in? You know, to be fair, I actually liked it the first time I saw it. I was like, oh, okay, that was cool. I had the Joker. I saw Batman. Harley Quinn was in it. I liked Deadshot. Cool. Then I, you know, I watched it again at home or maybe in the theater. I don't remember. And my opinion just completely changed on it. Because mm-hmm. in the theater, I already knew I hated Enchantress. Yeah. I hated everything about it. <laughs> I hated that she dances for 45 minutes straight and that's how she's going to destroy the world. Was not into it. But, you know, on that those those repeat viewings, you see the flaws and you see how the editing and what mm-hmm. that studio who finished it off did to it and butchered. Just the simplest of details, really. And, and then also, I don't know about you guys, but I watch and I think, well, this isn't a Zack Snyder Justice League situation. This movie was probably not that good to begin with mm-hmm. because the <laughs> fundamentals are there. And they're not really that much better. Because if you look at the stuff that's from Air, I still don't really like it. Wow. <laughs> that's kind of... So to me, like, Suicide Squad is the lowest on the totem pole. 
The only things I like about it now, and yeah, even now, I like Jared Leto's Joker. I like Batman in it. If we would have gotten the movie we saw in that first trailer, would it have been better? I don't know. (laughs) But I can tell you from what I see in this one, I don't think I would have. Yeah, Yeah, it's a tough one. It does give us Harley Quinn. It does give us Margot Robbie in that role. Which which I liked, and I remember seeing this in August. I was out on vacation, and I like I was we stay at this this place, and I went with a bunch of teenagers because no one else wanted to go see it with me, the, the family friends. But I remember coming out of it and people being like, "So did you like it?" I was like, "Ah, yeah, it was it was fine. Like it, I wasn't expecting anything crazy big, and it had some moments, but it's again it it does fall victim to." What we've seen in in quite a lot of films is you get to the third act and everything kind of just falls apart a bit. Yeah. Right. They build and the the first and second acts are are good to all right, and this one it's like, whoa, where did we go here? It's the villain falls apart. It it, it doesn't really pick up on any of kind of the at least what we saw in the trailers, what we thought we were going to get with this. And the problem what this does, I think, with DC films, is that it gives you back to back films that now are lightning rods for discussion mm-hmm. get a lot of negativity you've got yes yeah, staunch supporters of what's being put out but in comparison to what's going on on the other side it's starting to look like the poor little cousin mm-hmm. well you take two big l's and then you had a huge gap between yeah. suicide squad and your next movie which didn't help yeah, yeah. The discourse yeah either. it was almost a year before you get one woman yeah yeah suicide squad was a it was it's just a weird like uh it's a weird hit too, because I mean, it actually made a lot of money, mm-hmm. so, which yeah. is why won Oscar, won an Oscar. Yeah, yeah the Oscar-winning <laughs> Suicide Squad. Right. Oscar. Um, there, there's just so much of it that um, I think to like a broader audience is kind of like, oh, this is cool. Like, there's Harley Quinn. There's there's some Joker. Um, I'm not I'm not a fan of like the aesthetics of Joker and stuff. I didn't I didn't really hate you know the Leto performance so much. Like there is some people. Um, uh, the the biggest issue with it is the the kind of faceless army of nobodies that were supposed to be like parademons, it would have been a better continuation of that, that, you know, story like, Oh shoot, there's these parademons showing up, you know, like that would have been a cooler uh, Mm -hmm. way to continue to build on this, this, this world. Um, And to, you know, ultimately like maybe the suicide squad teams up with like justice league or something in a film like justice league too. Cause you kind of established something. There was just like no reason for any of this world building that they are trying to put out there, you know, yeah. like they tried because you have that scene with Affleck, with, I mean Bruce Wayne and Waller, and you know, my guys, my guys are going to take you down. It's like well, he doesn't even have guys yet. <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> you have guys? Why guys? <laughs> you haven't found these guys have all said no. Remember? You know, like so there was just some weird like disconnects and, um, but it, it definitely they were they were trying to do the Guardians thing with the music and, um ironically now you're, mm. you're having the guardians guy do the next <laughs> iteration of these films so yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh, yeah i don't know man suicide squad for me it's just like it's kind of a bump uh i don't hate it i don't love it yeah. it's just there and i'm like okay oh i'm glad we got a suicide squad film and i'm glad we're getting the second one i never thought they'd keep the title i never thought they'd keep suicide squad mm-hmm. i thought they're gonna call it like task force x or something mm. like that i just felt like too risque to put that mm in the title and yeah. they, they've went with it and owned it. And I kind of agree with you that it feels like a, a bump that it just could kind of be ignored now with what we're going to get here yeah. in, in a, in a few weeks coming in the coming months. 
and so it just it's like one of those films that you can kind of just put off to the side and i'm like i don't think anyone here is interested in a or cut or anything like that yeah but but carlos as this movie's coming out like you said we get a huge gap before we get to one woman which i feel is kind of a first pivot for them and this is kind of the last in in the losses that they do take here at least until we get maybe a little further on but this seems to be a bit of a turning point would you agree yeah, definitely, because it was a weird one, and I came to it a bit late just because we were on vacation, um, and so I, I saw it kind of a week after, but I certainly saw the grossly negative reviews that it was getting, and um, <laughs> people seemed pretty cool to it, but like Justin said, it became this huge hit, and like um, I remember my daughter's friends wanting to go see it all the time. And like for two Halloweens in a row, you had all these like kind of <laughs> preteen and teenage kids dressed up as these characters and whatnot. So it did something at the end of the day. It's like, it, it's not a great movie, but at the same time, it's fun and it's watchable. And it's, mm-hmm. it's one of those that it's perfect to be on in the background. Cause you don't have to pay any attention to it. It's, mm-hmm. It's literally a series of music videos <laughs> strung together. So it's just like, hey, I like this song. Just <laughs> tune in for a couple of minutes. But um, yeah, it, they didn't need to take another L coming off of yeah. the what BVS was. Like, even if this one was like a an Aquaman size yeah. reception, maybe not the box office that Aquaman got, yeah. but if if critics and audiences had a, a similar reception to the suicide squad. It might not have been as ugly. Like poor Diana, she had like all the weight of the world yeah. on her shoulders, yeah. man. But there's some well, good performances in that film mm-hmm. though. Like I do like Will Smith as Deadshot yeah. and, and, you know, Jai mm-hmm. Courtney born to play boomerang. The first time you don't hate him in anything. Like <laughs> there's like in, in Margot Robbie, like, like uh, there's, there's like good bones in there. It's just not, I don't know. I feel for David Ayer. Who know? Who knows? Like maybe he has an amazing cut. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's just, there's a it's flash so, cameo too. Oh yeah, there's the flash cameo. Oh yeah, yeah. Or he pushes him. Well, it's funny because you you do see on on especially on these films that we've talked about already, you do see them going and cherry pick elements of especially Suicide Squad, right? Say we're gonna we're gonna take this out and run with it in a different direction. We're gonna take this and. You know, maybe some of these guys that we do see carry over from this film iteration into James Gunn's here. I don't know if Jai Courtney's boomerang is going to last much more than the first 10 minutes of the <laughs> film. You know, you don't, you don't see him in the trailer beyond that. So yeah. I, I don't know if they're just creatively editing him around or if they're trying to show us the same way they showed us with Slipknot is like, yeah, he's in this first scene and you don't see him again. And so you <laughs> can make some leap that maybe he doesn't make it. But it does feel like that this point where they've, had kind of back to back. I want to. I don't want to call them failures because they both made money, but critically and where they wanted to take this direction, yeah. this wasn't where they wanted to be. I think as a universe, you know, yeah. with the way that Batman vs Superman was received, and you're coming into Suicide Squad, you want kind of where the MCU went with Winter Soldier, right? You want, yeah, Iron Man three and Thor: The Dark World are probably arguably, I think, you know, most of us can agree that they're two of the weaker films, and then Marvel turns around and hits you with. Mm-hmm with winter soldier and guardians in 2014 you wanted something strong to come out and unfortunately kind of stumbled again but that does lead us into 2017's wonder woman which in itself is the first female-led superhero film ever put to the big screen 
It comes out to great praise, makes over $100 million in its debut, goes on to make over $800 million worldwide. So this thing is a massive success, and it's widely praised and received by both critics and fans alike. Carlos, I know you have a big Wonder Woman fan in the family. I know you're a big fan of this film in particular, but this to me is kind of your... We have one more stumble to get through, but this is, I think, where you're starting to see a bit of a pivot in the universe and them embracing a bit more of even the source material and trying to branch out from what they've established previously in this. Yeah, definitely. Like, they just nailed this one on so many levels. Like, it's, like, to me, it, it's kind of my favorite. Like, I count the modern era of comic book movies from Robert Downey Jr., I Am Iron Man kind of thing mm. forward, right? Like, the Dark Knight trilogy, even though Rises came out after, it's kind of like disco. It's like, yeah, disco kind of <laughs> finished off in 1976, but then you still have the Off the Wall album in 1979, so it's, like, still around. So you still, like, it, it's art, right? So it, it doesn't have a hard yeah. start and stop date to stuff, but uh, it's like the Dark Knight trilogy is of the previous era, and um, I like that. I like that Iron lot. Man started off the new era, right? But uh, of the modern era, like, this is, like, the perfect comic book film because it is first and foremost just a good um fish out of water type movie and she does a great job establishing the mascara but then you get into the european front and man there is some amazing work that's done in there and there is some really gritty and visceral moments of humanity like especially like Everybody goes to no man's land, but before that, like when they're crossing the bridge to start making their way yeah. to the front and like these soldiers are coming across and they're blown apart and there's guys suffering from PTSD and there's families that are like homeless and don't know what to do. And like the cart, like there's all these little things and like we haven't seen anything like that from like Marvel or from the mm. previous DC films. And it's just like, there's something special here. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, she goes full Wonder Woman across No Man's Land and just all the Beautiful. things that that says. And then you go full superhero in Veld. It's awesome. And it's just like, DC, like, you can do this. You put the work in. You trust a filmmaker, but work with them enough mm -hmm. to make sure that, you know, it's doing the IP justice. Mm -hmm. Um and, and that's their sweet spot, right? And it's just a matter of getting there for them. But I think Wonder Woman is like, if we take anything away from the discussion from this week's half of the record, is that like, that's your proof of concept right there. Yeah. Like that's, that's what you got to do. Yeah. You got to bring somebody in your trust, but you also got to have your, your hand on the shoulder a little bit because mm -hmm. these are, these are your best toys and yeah. can't any, let anybody break them. No. Yeah. You know, and it helps too that Wonder Woman's a period piece too. I think mm -hmm. is it dislocates it a bit from the continuity and the need to weave in narratives or storylines or characters. Mm -hmm. It it breaks them away from some of that universe that is existing, and we know that she exists in the modern era or in the real time, but to dislocate it here and release those shackles and release the filmmaker up from a bit. I think that really benefited this film. And you know, they did it with 84 as well, right? Is that they continue to have her set in some sort of period piece mm -hmm. that you don't have to really build or work into things. And I think that was a, a really wise decision. Now, whether that was, that was likely the filmmaker, but taking her back and doing a bit more of an origin. And we know, I know that, that she does have, that established through the comics and all this, but using World War One specifically too, you know, you had Captain America, 
uh, you know, uh, almost a decade earlier that is set in World War II. But yeah, they like you said, Carlos, they don't hit on those same sort of visceral imagery that you see that you could see from a World War II movie. And they use mm-hmm. that in here, I think, to great benefit of Wonder Woman. Justin, man, talk to me a bit about Wonder Woman here. Yeah, uh, I, I, it for me, it's the the best of this era of the DC films. Um, it's not my favorite, um, it, it, which is weird because I, I think I still like rewatch BVS the most because of like just certain parts. Um, but the more I sit with Wonder Woman, I'm like, man, this was, um, this is what they did right. I remember watching a a preview show that um, before Batman vs Superman came out, there was like this show that. Kevin Smith hosted with Jeff Johns on the CW. They're just kind of talking oh, yeah. about all their upcoming shows. And I remember just this image of Wonder Woman like on a horse. And they were like some behind the scenes stuff. I'm like, what is going on with this film? I was just so intrigued. And um, yeah, man, Gal Gal is like the the find of what a casting. The, yeah, like just, you know, from the random like, you know, Fast and Furious film to like to Wonder Woman. Um, mm-hmm. she's incredible and you, you fall in love with her like as Steve Trevor falls in love with her like on the boat. You're just like you're just like, how could you not? Um she's just an amazing character and she she just draws you in. Like her innocence and the warrior stuff, just it, it all worked so well. And then um and like Steve Trevor, like who, who would have thought like people were gonna be like pun pining hey chris pine uh pining for steve trevor like you you love everyone in this film everyone's so great even etta candy like everything's great the villain's a little like you know classic dc gray guy in a cgi outfit like that's that's kind of my biggest fault with it but uh, this this movie's about you know gal and her being wonderful she's like wonder woman to the world now like you know moving forward there's it's she's gonna be hard to replace she's essentially a robert downey jr like Mm -hmm. how do you replace this person who really owned this role um you know i hope she continues to do it as for as long as hollywood could keep her young you know (laughs) like that's essentially (laughs) what it's gonna come down to um though the movie's great man um I, i i don't know other than my my third act villain like complaint it's it's like gold to me man and uh it, it's just it, it just reminds me of of a time where i feel like everyone was united on these dc films yeah. i don't think people argued about this one and it wasn't toxic it was completely um we we got we have a win you know you finally yeah. could stand up and go i i like dc films and everyone was like so do i so. <laughs> <laughs> this is the film that you want after batman versus superman oh yeah oh yeah like you can imagine the pivot there, and I think, you know, yes, we are a year removed from all of that, but it's it's nice to see, like you said, that everyone kind of came around and supported this film, and yeah, and Gal, yeah, like come on, Zack Snyder, you know, you can fault him in some things, but the way he's casted, and I like you, you hear the restore the side, like his whole cast is continuing in this universe, yeah, right, he casts yeah. the whole Justice League, yeah. And with Gal herself, I agree, man. What what a casting. Chris, thoughts to the table on this one and, and Gal filling this role and becoming, like you said, Justin, the, the Robert Downey Jr. filling and owning this role and you can't see beyond Gal. Is it Gal or is it Wonder Woman? Is it Diana? It's all the same person. Yeah. I pretty much agree with everything that's been said. One thing, though, that sticks out to me having just watched it, this movie took the blueprint from Superman 78 and modernized it in a way that it really, it still works. They even took a relative unknown and made her a superstar. Yeah. Yeah. Gadot is a household name now because of Wonder Woman. And the way, 
Oh, sorry, go ahead, Carlos. I was going to say, you know you nailed it when the comic book artists start drawing the character, yeah. Yeah. like the actress yes. or actress. Yeah. That is a huge indication that you did something right. <laughs> but I think what something this movie does really well, and especially with Gal, is she, they make the character endearing. Like, you care about this character. It's not mm-hmm. just, oh, I can't wait till she's Wonder Woman, you know, messing stuff up, fighting and doing all this, these things. You actually want to see her journey from, you know, I'm a fish out of water, essentially, to the hero that we know. You enjoy that journey. I think that speaks a lot for this movie, too. Because I think we watch a lot of these comic book films, and we're just waiting for the origin to get over. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. We're waiting to get to those points. This is not one of those cases. And every character, I think, is well-written. And Patty Jenkins just did a wonderful job. I'm so glad she left Thor yeah. 2 for this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. what an upgrade. And, you know, the previous director, I think, was Michelle McLaren, I believe. I could be wrong on that. Yeah. She wouldn't have, like, a talking tiger in it. So we dodged that bullet, too. <laughs> they should have saved that for Shazam. I, they should have. Where is Michelle McLaren now? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I would say Wonder Woman, it, it just, it's like the gold standard of DC comic yeah. movies right now, I think. Yeah. She is more popular than Batman as far as film goes, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see what 184 could have done in the real world, right? What would this yeah. movie and what would have, you know, what would have attracted as far as a box office and all this? And unfortunately, it was it met the pandemic like a lot of these films did uh, later on as we kind of get towards the back half of the modern era of what we've seen before. And released in 2017, and this would be, again, kind of the, it's the point of the conversation where, enters justice league and coming out in october of that year justice league arrives after you know a couple of of relatively poorly received films and then you've got wonder woman you've got momentum in the universe and then justice league hits it debuts and and carlos i i think you you always have this saying about the the sequel paying for the sins of its predecessor and you know, this film, I think, exemplifies that in spades is there was zero interest here. And another thing I'm going to bring to the table from Carlos here, the goddamn Batman's always got this wise and astute observations when it comes to these universes is that everyone walked into this film thinking it was Zack Snyder's iteration of, of the Justice League. And this thing had a sub $100 million opening weekend and grossed just about $650 million worldwide. And so I use the box office as kind of a relative gauge here, guys. It's not about putting a film down because it didn't make a whole bunch of money, but it is one of our only indicators outside of people giving it a thumbs up or a thumbs down of how widely received this thing was. Mm -hmm. And this film did not perform. Even with the momentum from Wonder Woman, this film was a step backwards again for the DC film universe at this point in time. And it becomes another lightning rod for argumentative discussion for the next four years. <laughs> like, I honestly Hasn't feel like I've, just spent, long. I've spent the last six months, <laughs> six months of my life talking about this film and the, 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 oh, the remake or whatever you want to call it coming out of this. But at the time, I can honestly say shed all the baggage from the last four years i didn't mind this film when it dropped 
Yeah. Like Chris, yeah. you're you're nodding your head in agreement here. Yeah. When you walked, like this wasn't a palm on the face moment, like Batman no. versus Super. This was this was okay. It was fine for me. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Yeah, I had no problem with it the first time I watched it. Even even like I haven't seen it since you know Zack Snyder's, but mm-hmm. up until you know a few months ago, I still like this version. Yeah, it's it's and again, I am the same way. I haven't revisited it, but it certainly didn't feel like this. What it turned out to be, at least that. It, and you know there's a lot of controversy behind it and a lot of mistakes and we've seen that all play out yeah especially over the last last few months here but justin this iteration of justice league you know short of it like carlos has said in the past paying for the sins of batman versus superman Mm -hmm. you know this film maybe not the epic crossover that the world wanted or needed from dc film but it it's certainly it, it, it struck a chord, I think, that the broad audience didn't embrace the Justice League the same way that they had, and I'm going to bring it again here, the same way they had embraced the Avengers. Yeah. Like, I, I have to bring this in, guys. Like, I know I'm the Marvel guy and all this, but there's a relative comparison out there. You've got Justice League performing, you know, on par with with Thor the Dark World. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's 100% fair. Um. This movie to me, it's serviceable. I don't, I don't love it. I don't hate it. Like mm-hmm. you can tell, it's a, it's a, a, an edited thing. But I'll tell you, um, I think a lot of people make a lot out of nothing with the whole lip thing. Like there's one scene that it really distracts you, but that scene's still amazing. I, I love that opening scene with Superman and the kids. Um, there's so mm-hmm. much this film does right, but there's just there, I don't, there's no stakes. Um, you know, there's no reason for a Justice League to come together because the world, and this is my same criticism for Zack Snyder's Justice League, I agree, by the way, man, fully. is the world doesn't know. And if the world doesn't know, if the world doesn't need them, then why are they putting themselves together? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it just doesn't feel like there's this desperation for the, the world's greatest superheroes to get together to save the world when they don't know. Only, only the Amazons know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and no one knows about them, so it doesn't really and that, matter. And that right? one Russian family. Yeah, and the one Russian family, and um, but yeah, it's just it's just such a for me Justice League and, and Zack Snyder's Justice League, uh, not not to get in front of the horse, uh, but they're for me they're the biggest heartbreaks uh, because this is like DC. I'm a DC. I lean DC. You know, that's it's like the the heroes I grew up on. But I love everybody. I love the Avengers. I love Marvel. All that stuff. I even love the Krill, Chris. Uh, but <laughs> I. <laughs> but this is the one where man, you wanted the the Alex Ross grandeur to be mm-hmm. seen. Like I wanted them to sparkle, and it felt kind of like, why do they gotta be broken? Like why does Aquaman gotta be like disgruntled and mad at everybody? And you know, like I just why does it all have to be so grim? Like we just pulled Batman out of his grimness. Now everyone else has to be pulled out of their grimness. You know what? The cyborg is mad at his dad and all this other stuff. And I'm like, it just is like, I want to celebrate with these guys and I want the world to celebrate that they're together and we don't get it. And so it's like, man, out the gate with your universe, you just keep, you just, it's like somebody jumped out of a car and just kind of flopped down the street. He finally gets there, but man, it's like he's bruised up and beaten and <laughs> it's okay. He made it, but this, this isn't the entrance we wanted. So yeah, I'm, I don't know. Justice league. Yeah. Eh. Yeah. That's it. It's, it is what it is. Right. And Carlos, I'm yeah. not going to ask you to rehash any of your thoughts. Cause you and I have done this for, for months, but 
yeah. I will ask when it come when when Justice League is done, <laughs> and the film and WB and DC and all that the execs step back, and they realize that this film didn't deliver. Like, what's the next step? What like is it Aquaman? <laughs> is it like like it's it's I'm putting you on the spot here because I know you're not in power. You don't have the money. You don't have the decision making, but. From your perception, when you when you walk out of the theater and this film doesn't deliver, what is next for DC film? Like, where do they have to go? Well, man, all I gotta say is thank God for Kevin Feige, or we wouldn't have had any more DC films <laughs> because you can't sit on that IP, which is evergreen, which will like they witness firsthand like you can take a massive L but yet you have a film like Wonder Woman and you're making money hand over fist mm-hmm. because people want mm-hmm. to love these characters and so like and then you look across the street at Marvel and it's like if these guys are knocking it out of the park with Ant-Man and Captain Marvel yeah. and all these other characters that people don't know nearly as well as our characters surely we have to be able to do something with this and like I, I don't think for a second that we would have had all the time and effort put into the DC properties uh, had Marvel not been doing what they're doing. And like we talked about off mic, I think Warner Brothers has some good execs there, but they're execs that should be working at Fox F- Searchlight Films because those are the types <laughs> of movies that those guys are interested in and that they understand and that they want to bring to the audience. <laughs> They don't get this stuff, and so they don't see the value in it, and they don't see how to uh, make it palatable, palatable to a general audience kind of thing. Yeah. So, I, and I think we're there now. Like, I think the brain trust is particularly Anne Sarnoff and Walter Hamada, as unpopular as they are on certain sections of Twitter. Like, I think those <laughs> are two excellent people to be in place now. Yeah. But man, if if Marvel wasn't doing what they were doing. And to such an extreme level, mm-hmm. I think Warner Brothers would have just put the whole thing on the shelf and been like, so how much more can we squeeze Lego and Harry Potter? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, they, and they squeezed, they squeezed the, the bricks out of Lego. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. I think Justice League ended well to send everybody off into where they mm-hmm. needed to be uh, mm-hmm. and actually ended on a really cool post-credit scene that would have been probably the most interesting thing DC could have done and they did nothing with it. Um, which is that's those are the two best things that that film did. It was like, man, okay, these characters are ready to go off on their own. Let's go see them, and then ooh, tease of a Legion of Doom, which Marvel's not doing. Like yes. a villain team up, shoot, let's see that. In and they they just didn't really, obviously, didn't have a plan to the follow up. They probably would have. If Justice League would have hit a billion, we would have had Legion of Doom and all mm-hmm. that stuff by now. But um, it didn't, and so that's why. You know, they took the the turn they took. So, oh man, all it would have taken would be Deathstroke pulling Black Manta out of that water instead of Doctor Shin, and <laughs> oh man, you would have been right there, bro. Why are you not writing these films? Exactly. <laughs> I I know, man. He's got a treat- <laughs> he's got a treatment for for half the films that don't exist. <laughs> exactly. They you want that Deathstroke HBO show? I could just pull open that drawer right yes. there. And- <laughs> We get going tomorrow, Gareth. There, Evans. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that would have been an awesome. Deathstroke starts hunting down like Legion of Doom members, dude. Well, just in reverse, right? From what oh, Batman was doing, Bruce Wayne was doing. Yeah, would be kind of. It's, it's 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 cool. It's it's a concept there, and and you're Man. right, Carlos. I think that in the absence of of Feige, they might like this is the most 
I think, prized IP that WB has. And I still don't know if they've extracted any real substantial value out of it. Like, there's there's characters here with decades of stories that you can that you can adapt. And I say adapt purposely because you don't need to take F the panel by panel and put it to screen. It's like take the concept and put it to screen. It, it you don't have to replicate. Mm -hmm what's there exactly and you have the benefit with characters like aquaman and shazam that we're going to talk about right now that no one knows a whole bunch about these guys so you can do whatever you want with them they did it with guardians they've done it with other characters is that you don't have diehards that are going to sit there and be like well aquaman you know they changed his hair color they changed like his whole look basically right and people yeah. bought into it this is the aquaman people see all right yeah, oh, my, my man, my man. <laughs> the you know, WWE Aquaman. Aquaman. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Aquaman is the biggest success out of this, though, because in my opinion, he's a character that should not work. There, there, we should not be in a universe where Aquaman made one billion dollars yeah. and Batman v Superman did not. <laughs> and Justice League, yeah. Justice League. Yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous to think the guy who talks to fish literally made a billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. He almost doubled what the Justice League did. Yeah, wow. but it's a good, you know, it works. Yeah. It's it's a boss office enigma when you look at it relative to what came before. Because December, it's in a great, great box office window too. Mm -hmm. In that late December, you've got Aquaman, the solo version coming out of Justice League. And this film turns, like you said, Chris, a billion dollars. <laughs> it is, to the point outside of Joker, it is the only DC film from mm -hmm. 2013 that has made a billion dollars. Yeah. Right? It's the only one contained with inside of the connected universe that's made a billion dollars. Dude, yeah. that was all part of their plan yeah. to have their hard R <laughs> Joker movie <laughs> and Aquaman be their billion dollar tent poles. Yeah, right. That's that's to prop up these these smaller characters yeah, like, like Superman Aquaman, and Batman. Aquaman would never have been made if it wasn't already have been shot yeah. like right after yeah. BBS. Like if that thing didn't go into production, bro, we wouldn't have seen no, you know Jason Momoa again. That would have been like, I, it just would have been another thing in limbo, you know, like. Mm -hmm. And it's and it's an odd like I think in a universe construction, it makes sense to have Aquaman somewhere in the mix here, as yeah. far as coming off the back end of Justice League. But for it to be your only film that was in production or far enough along production where you could not stop it, yeah, like it's almost a year over a year later that we get the next DCU DCEU if you want to call it that or DC film yeah in in theaters like that why you didn't have a plan that had several films in production coming off the even if justice league bombs right yeah well i think they tried with flash it just kept i guess yeah they lost like directors like five times mm -hmm. because i think their creative shakeups like i think they just kept changing their plan and like what they wanted to do and it was like a, a director needs to have some type of faith from a studio like hey i'm, I'm gonna do this well, we're gonna change this. You know, like, <laughs> we don't know what our universe is, so let's. They just kept, you know, pushing that needle and pushing people away, and mm -hmm. you know, so yeah. And, it, and it's almost like when they came out of Justice League, you know, Aquaman doesn't have really any narrative threads that connect, from what I can remember. I've only seen it, I think, once, and even Shazam in 2019. There's nothing there, right? Yeah. They almost pivot and say, okay, we're gonna do these silo things. Wonder Woman worked on its own. Let's let's do Aquaman, let's do Shazam, and then even into the Joker, where none of these films have any connective tissues in any substantial way outside of the cast, maybe, yeah. that gives you this holistic universe feel. 
Yeah. You and get that two- one line about Steppenwolf in Aquaman, and that's it. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. And and then other than that, it's leather pants in the water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then you have Freddy talking about like just being a fanboy and yeah. over the the Justice League characters, but yeah. that he could have been talking about Queen yeah. or Bon Jovi, and it like, <laughs> serves the same purpose, right? But Shazam is kind of weird because it does kind of like not I don't want to say celebrate, but it does just reference reference the heck out of Zack Snyder's stuff. Like even the battering is the Affleck battering. Yeah. You know, the Superman shirt is the Superman like. You know, I mean, that's that's Superman. Like, that's Cavill, even though it's not Cavill in the film. Mm-hmm. But, like, he's referenced in newspaper articles and everything. Like, he exists in the Snyder world. So, but it's, yeah, it's not like the check out Shazam for the next part of this story, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. not kind of that, that narrative sequel to any of the films. It, yeah, yeah, it is. It's about the references and the nods. Mm-hmm. But it, it that doesn't have any impact really on the story. It doesn't, I guess, motivate in some direction. Like I want to be a hero type thing yeah. in Shazam. But but Chris, Shazam for you is to be honest with you, I always kind of liked the where they were going. I didn't really know much. I was like one of the people that's way on the periphery with Shazam. I had mm-hmm. zero expectations going into it. It took me a long time to watch the film, but mm. honestly, didn't mind it. Like I think it did what it needed to do. And Zachary Levi was was good in the role, and the kids were good and. It does yeah. suffer, I think, like most comic book films, that once you get into the nuts and bolts of it and towards the end, you're kind of, eh, okay, sure, the Shazam and all that. Like, it, it works enough, and it didn't make a billion dollars, but it was successful enough to get a sequel, at least. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think Shazam needed to make, like, a billion dollars. Yeah. Because Shazam is, let's be honest, maybe like a D-level hero. <laughs> I don't think he's incredibly popular. I really don't. I still don't know anything about Shazam unless it's in that movie. Wow. You know, I know what's in that movie, and that's good enough for me. So with Shazam, you know, the budget was smaller. So if it just makes, let's say, double the budget, cool. Give it a sequel. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like you said, Zachary Levi's fantastic. The kids are cool. My only issues with it really do come with the ending. I did not like the Shazam family. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really quick, and we could have saved that for another. You know, I hate child actors. <laughs> I just have an issue with them. Child actors in superhero movies don't work for me. But specifically, I just I think that's something that they should have waited on. I think the fight should have remained with Shazam versus the Deadly Sins, and uh, is it Savannah? Yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's the magic of that movie, though, because it's not Aquaman where they dumped money into it. It's not Justice League where they dump money into it. They went at it, you know, they took a smaller approach with a smaller character and it paid off. Yeah. And they were able to just sprinkle these nods into this greater universe to where down the line, if we do get a Justice League 2, or let's say Cavill says, you know what? I'm going to sign on, or you guys want me to sign on to Shazam 3 and we can have this big brawl with Black Adam, oh. Shazam and me. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. Because the seeds are there. So. To me, Shazam is a total win. I don't. It didn't have to make a billion dollars, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I think Shazam is actually kind of the model which I wish they would take. Which I wish most studios would take is like lower budget. Um, you know, maybe a smaller story. Like yeah. Uh, so that the pressure of that billion dollars is no longer there anymore, especially now with like you know streaming and stuff, and mm-hmm. you know, like who knows how theaters are going to go like moving on, but. Um, I'm I'm surprised that Shazam is getting a sequel because it, 
you know, it made less than, you know, what's the one that made the least amount of money? It was probably Man of Steel, right? Um, it made less than Man of Steel. And substantially gonna, less than Man of Steel. And it's getting a sequel. <laughs> you know, Man of Steel still hasn't got, had a proper sequel. But um, I like that, like, hey, let's just make these films and, and you know, add to our, mm-hmm. add to our, you know, put some more feathers in our cap. And that's what I love about Shazam. Um, you know, it is ironic, though, like, Chris, you're talking, like, you know, you don't know anything about Shazam. But it's funny that Shazam used to outsell Superman back in the day, like, the you know, the 50s and stuff. Like that's so so much that DC sued Fawcett. <laughs> so there's like this like really weird like you know ironic kind of like you know you know history that goes on with all of that stuff. But yeah. Hey Justin. Yeah. Apples don't cost a nickel anymore. Right? <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. This is 1938. <laughs> Oh, man. And Shazam is, is, at least in the nerd room here, it's taken on a life of its own, let me tell you. It's, 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 it's created a, a controversial civil war that brewed between Sanjay and Troy. And it's, it's, a, it's a film that it is odd, but your, your points about taking a smaller budget, a smaller story, I think is well taken because I find, at least in a lot of these films and even on the MCU side, it's always about escalation. Yeah. How do we top what came before? And you look at films like Deadpool, you look at films like Shazam and even Joker. Yeah. Oh. That that don't that take a small budget and a small character focused story. It doesn't have to be this mega superhero flick. It can be a character study. It can be about kids. It can be about a, a dude down in his luck that's suffering in a major mental way. And it can have a superhero angle to it, but it doesn't necessarily have to escalate everything. It doesn't need to have a three hundred million dollar budget. And mm-hmm. that billion-dollar line that the industry has drawn in the sand to say, if your movie doesn't make a billion dollars, then why are you even here? Yeah, like th- that's something that I think has been at a detriment to the genre itself. Because, and it, it's it's like Marvel's basically set this precedent that it's billion or bust. Yeah, for these, and I don't think that needs to be the the bar that has to be set anymore. Yeah, yeah. one like on that spectrum of how much money you make. Shazam is actually a more profitable mm-hmm. movie than Man of Steel yeah. was. Yeah, like, that's true. Relative to its budget. And I think Shazam would have done better too if Endgame didn't come and take its cake. Like, Yeah, <laughs> that's a big the problem. Tickets went on sale for Endgame the day Shazam came out. So mm. like, it, it, we're all family guys. Like, You you spend $100 to take your family to the movies. Yeah. And then you have like the Endgame ticket apocalypse happening. <laughs> who, who has money to buy tickets for two sets of shows right like it's like oh i was gonna buy shazam tickets but i gotta get these endgame tickets locked up because i don't want to be the guy (laughs) left in the cold hearing all the spoilers kind of thing right so i think that kind of stole or ate into its box office potential at least and i don't know like i i always go back to like the little kid that was sitting next to me in the movie like not mine, just some rando kid. But man, this kid was just loving this movie, like eating it up, telling his mom to like get off her phone and like pay attention and stuff. And, like, and it was cool. And you knew that like this kid was like a young Chris Evans, had no idea who Shazam was, had no idea about that Fawcett history. Yeah. And uh, he, he was just experiencing this for the first time and just eating it up. And that that's something cool. Like, that was such a neat experience. And like, my girls loved it. But, uh, yeah, this little dude, like, I'll, I'll never forget that. I was like, this is why we need Shazam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Might have that made in Toronto look all over it, but <laughs> th- this gives it value. It was Philadelphia. What are you talking about? 
that's another important thing that Carlos mentioned. That kid, Shazam is a great movie for families to come see. Yeah. Out of the DC group of films, because the other movies really aren't that family no. friendly. Yeah. I mean, you could take a kid, but they're not gonna like Dawn of Justice. Yeah, they're, DC definitely has like an identity crisis with its films. <laughs> like, there's not yeah. a through line of like of a connected universe. It's the most disconnected, like like you know, audience for sure. Yeah. It's 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 a universe constructed out of reactions, pure reactions, and oh, yes, you know the the last film that we can will really digest here because the the three that follow it are you know our pandemic era films, but Joker it's the real enigma here. It's the mm. step away from the universe, yeah. and it's another billion dollar flick on a multiple a, Oscar multiple winner. Oscar winner yeah on a shoestring budget. <laughs> That, the film everyone questioned, like, why are they yeah. making this? Well, film? Yeah, like I remember, yeah, in the buildup, it's like, wait, we don't need a Joker origin story, a Joker without a Batman. How is that's the yin and yang? Like, how is this yeah. going to even work? And hell, it worked, right? I, I've only seen it once. It's a heavy movie, and you have to think of a movie that that one, a lot of people, not everyone, but a lot of people are going to see once because it, it deals with a lot of, you know, like I said, heavy material. Yeah. Two, no IMAX. And three, no freaking China. <laughs> That's true. And the thing grosses over a billion dollars. Like this, arguably, is probably one of the most successful, if not the most sex- successful, profit-wise, comic movie films ever. Like yeah. Endgame and Infinity War were wildly successful, biggest films of all time. They also cost seven hundred million dollars to make. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And this this movie cost I th- what was fifty seventy million dollars to make, and yeah. a lot of that was probably Joaquin Phoenix's salary. To be honest yeah, with you, it's weird. So it, it, it's it is an enigma when we look at this, right? It, it's it's offset, it's siloed. It maybe starts to tell a story as to where DC will point some of their films going forward. But it, it, it's something that that sits out there as a different story. It's also one that doesn't have a baked in sequel, as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which <laughs> for me, the biggest takeaway from Joker is it just highlights in spades that you make a good movie people will show up and people will support it you don't need all the other things to prop it up it's just like this is a good solid movie nobody thought that it was a continuation of what jared leto Mm -hmm. was doing there was no batman imagery to get people there it was just a movie that took off by word of mouth i don't think they even advertised it a ton from what i can remember no it had some i think interest through trailers but it's not like this thing is splattered on your Saturday morning cartoons or, yeah. you know what I mean? And it was it was an R movie. It was driven at adults yeah. as well. It didn't have the, like you commonly say, Carlos, the four quadrants baked into it either. No. It did it's... have a tie-in serial. There was Joker. <laughs> was there? No. <laughs> I was going to say, like, we usually don't get your serial. It's funny no. because I just, I just saw a thread on, on Twitter here about uh, someone is upset that we're not getting the Ghostbusters Afterlife serial because we don't get a lot of the stuff in Canada. Um, and I was like, oh, was there a cereal I missed the... out on? <laughs> Health Canada test. Yeah, it didn't pass it. <laughs> Too much sugar for Canadians. Yeah, right. <laughs> so as, as we wrap up this discussion, we've got three films here. We're not going to really concentrate on this because all of us have reviewed these in the last six to eight months, maybe even a year or so. But Birds of Prey, 1084, and of course, Zack Snyder's Justice League. You can, oh, there's wow. a ton of coverage on the so both much. both podcasts on Zack Snyder's Justice League <laughs> and even Wonder Woman 84. But Birds of Prey in itself, it, it didn't do gangbuster the box office, but it was a, a maybe, a, can I call it a pseudo-sequel to Suicide Squad? It was it was a shot at 
a an all-female team-up, which I really mm. appreciated the efforts that they went to there. And again, it's another film that I liked coming out of it. Mm-hmm. It, it, it. It did the right things for me. It was a smaller film. It didn't rely on the, the idea of escalation and doing things bigger and this wild you know extraterrestrial threat it was it was yeah. just there you know it yeah. worked for me justin did did birds of prey as we're moving and seeing the dc film universe transition into something i still can't put my finger on to what it is until we get through <laughs> Zack snyder's justice league but birds of prey it still feels very similar to what we've seen but mm. you are starting to see a bit of a breakaway i think here yeah this one is an enigma to me because I still don't know how I feel about Birds of Prey. My wife hated it. I thought she was going to love it. And she, all she did, I remember us eating, we ate some Hawaiian Ono afterwards. And she was just like, <laughs> she was ripping it. Like, like you would think she was a comic nerd the way she was ripping this thing, dude. Like, you know how nerds can just go, we can go down like some paths. Uh, she didn't buy into it. She thought it was like, you know, trash. Um, I, I didn't love parts of it. I, I I felt the marketing first off was really weird. Like the whole thing was just call it Harley Quinn and, and make your money, you know, because yeah. that's why she's in it. That's why they made her part of the Birds of Prey. Anyways, I'm like Harley Quinn's not in the Birds of Prey like like books and teams. So it was to me it was like this weird like okay you just want to do a Harley Quinn movie and throw some other characters into it. So I I, I had that kind of hump I had to get over. Um, the stuff with Cassandra was weird because I'm like oh man you just kind of you burned a really cool oh, character, like potential. Exactly. So there was just some. I'm like, that's why we need somebody to Feige this whole universe, mm-hmm. just to make sure, like, oh, you know, she'd be really good if you threw her in like the Batman stuff because there's these things that happen down the line. But um, yeah, I, I just had oh, actually, I think I had more problems with this film than uh, I thought I was. I didn't like Black Mask uh, not being as menacing. I thought he was too funny for me, and, and I just have a. I, I would prefer him to be a little more uh, like just a menacing crime boss. And it just, I didn't get his relationship with Zaz and, and stuff like that. It, it just seemed like, oh, you, you, it was a take, but it wasn't like, sometimes I think when you do with characters like this, they have to be um, the, uh, trying to think like the, kind of the gold standard of what this character should be like if you're making a film universe, you kind of have to like, okay, this is who this character is. Once you start like taking, and I don't mean you shouldn't take risks and stuff, but like once you start like going in the different direction of who the character is, like, I'm like, man, that's not black mask though to me. Like I thought he'd be a lot more of a, uh, a scary type of a character. And I just kind of laughed about him because he was more comical to me. Um, and then like Huntress, who I love Huntress and I like uh, Mary, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Um, I like her too. And I actually, she was probably my favorite character in the whole film and mm-hmm. I wish we got more of her. Like there was a kind of a weird, like she had a, like a weird like character trait going on in, I don't know, man. I just, I'm kind of lukewarm on the film and I wanted to love it and it just kind of, it just kind of is with me. Yeah. I don't even know what I just said. I just, that's how I feel. I just feel so <laughs> like, I feel so like confused Word on vomit. this film. Like. <laughs> I don't hate it. I don't love it. I don't even know where it fits. And I actually forget about it. Like when you put it on the list, I was like, oh yeah, Birds of Prey came out in February. Like, you know, I don't know. Chris, save well, me. It's, it's save a weird me, movie Chris. too because, yeah, well, it, it falls victim to Justin the pandemic. It. it falls victim to, yeah. it kind of gets lost in the shuffle because it comes out right before everything 
goes into complete chaos. Yeah. And yeah, Chris, pick pick last up some film of the I saw in the from... theaters. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. That was the last film I yeah. no, I don't even think I saw it in theaters. I, like to be honest with you, but yeah, Chris, pick up on some of those those threads that 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 Justin laid out there, and and also kind of round out too your final thoughts on what we're calling the past of the DC film universe here in the modern age. I actually disagree with Justin a lot on Birds of Prey, I think, because I liked Black Mask a lot. I love Ewan McGregor's performance, and I'm you know, a pretty big Black Mask fan. Mm-hmm. So to me, when I saw that, yes, I was like, man, I kind of wish he was cutting more faces off. But yeah. at the same time, I do like what they did with him. I'm more upset that they killed him. Um, but that movie, I think, was important for a few for a few reasons. One, Harley's solo outing. No Joker. Let's see if Harley can work by herself on screen. She did. Mm-hmm. The money wasn't really there, but that's another story. Um, but what I think it did really well was bring, or not bring, but expand Gotham for the average moviegoer. Like they see, oh, Gotham is not just, it. it, it there actually is daylight in Gotham, first of all. <laughs> there's daylight and there's other people walking around. There's other heroes and villains. So I really like Birds of Prey for a number of reasons. Um, I think it, it nails most of what it's trying to do, except maybe, you know, a thing here or there. But to me, they're more on my side, they're more nitpicks. Mm-hmm. It's pretty high on the totem pole for me. I, I like Birds of Prey. But, you know, talking about wrapping up this whole, you know, past, there's been a lot of, they can't all be winners, you know? <laughs> like I say, they can't all be winners. But at the same time, do we need so many losers? And that's kind of the way I look at it. Because while I I love Man of Steel, I love the extended edition of Dawn of Justice. I like or love a lot of these films. I still recognize this was not the way to do things. And if we, this is like, you can get crucified for saying this on Twitter, but if DC only had a Feige, if we had a Feige, we would not have been like this. You know, we would have had quality film after film without these lightning rods or these death threat type discussions <laughs> that you get on Twitter. You know, it would have been a whole different ball game. I have no idea but, what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I know you don't. <laughs> Justin has no idea. No idea. <laughs> but I, I don't think that it was all bad. I think, you know, when you look back at things, there's plenty of good. There was bad too. Just is what it is. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's like the big takeaway from from this discussion for me is that there is a lot of high points, and you know we still got films with Wonder Woman and Aquaman, and yeah. even the Justice League in two different iterations over the last seven to we eight. We got years. three, man. What are you talking about? You can't forget Justice oh. is Gray. Oh yes, that one. <laughs> <laughs> How could I have forgotten? <laughs> How it should be seen. It should uh, be exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that that's the vision, Tim. Come I on. guess that is that is the vision. But it's been interesting to see this thing unfold, right? It's been yeah. interesting to go back and revisit the discussion because I think, you know, we have a, a similar MCU discussion and it, it unravels differently. But at the end of the mm-hmm. day, I think we've baselined ourselves, we bookend with Man of Steel, Zack Snyder's Justice League, with that the, the Snyder iteration, it's going to continue in some form, right? The the yeah. characters that we've seen. But I think that this nice cap off with Zack Snyder's Justice League and then us going into the future is going to be important to, to see what is next. And I'm excited for what is next. But Carlos, I, I, want, I want you and Justin here to, to give your kind of final thoughts on the modern age up to this point in time, up to Zack Snyder's Justice League. Kind of bring your final thoughts to the table, man. 
Yeah, man. Like uh, to kind of build on what Chris was saying, like you you look back and I think we ended up with more winners than losers. Like I I I quite like Birds of Prey, um, and like Wonder Woman eighty four. Like if mm. that one could have been what those early reviews promised it, mm. it was going to be, as opposed to to what my experience at least was with it. Um, like we would have been way over five hundred with the DC movies kind of thing. But um, yeah, it's kind of a weird time and so tumultuous and just so many strong positions on like people treated this stuff like religion kind of thing, right? And yeah, it, it wasn't in a healthy place as far as the online discourse and the fan yeah. uh, conversation goes. And so they needed to make the change. Like I loved Zack Snyder's Justice League mm-hmm. a lot. Um but I totally have to back what Ann Sarnoff came and said on the Monday. It's like, you know what? Like we as a fan community kind of put them in a position where they had to come out and say, all right, we're taking the toys away because you guys clearly don't know how to play nice in the sandbox. Mm-hmm. And here's Dwayne Johnson saying the hierarchy of power is going to change in the DC universe. And I don't <laughs> think that that was a mistake. Like I think that, Wow. He is the soft reboot for this whole thing. Like wow. when you see a Justice League again, it's going to be something that he planted the seeds for, kind of thing. And you know, the Justice League will beat him, and he'll become the president of the United States. Yep. So, that's, <laughs> but we'll talk about that on Let's Go. <laughs> oh, I can't wait! I can't uh, wait. Justin, man, final thoughts on this one? Yeah. Um, here's my. I think my my take of this you know, first half of the DC, you know, you know, output is, man, some really great casting. Um, you, you can't ignore the casting here. Um, they've just done a, a fantastic job, like putting, you know, people in the world with a few, you know, missteps, you know, like for me, I, I just, I, I don't like Ezra Miller as the flash. Um, he's just too fidgety for me him and lex luthor man i'm like i don't know man those guys just can go eat jolly ranchers somewhere and you know <laughs> hang out like i just those are the things that don't i don't i don't 100 love but overall great casting um you know i do give them credit for like huge swings man like as much as like you know i'm i i look at it as What's going to get me more DC films? I feel like you have to make crowd pleasers because I love the DC universe. And I, 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 my Marvel side, it's like a frosted mini wheat, right? I like, I like both sides, you know, they both have different things for me. And I'm like, I'm constantly like entrenched in the Marvel stuff because it keeps coming out because people like it and they keep making more and they have a show and it's, it's like, it just continues to build and I can enjoy it with my family with DC. It's like, sometimes I have to watch it by myself because mm-hmm. I can't sit mm-hmm. down and watch you know, like Suicide Squad, if I want to throw it on with my kid, because it's just not ready. He's not ready for that yet. Right. And I want something that can please us all. And there's I know some fans are like, well, you know, they can watch Batman, you know, animated series. I I think that's kind of dumb, though. <laughs> like, I feel like why not have like the most broadest audience to like build your IP, get people on board with it, like Star Wars and and, and Marvel, like. We can all watch together and enjoy it and cheer and you know it doesn't have to be silly it can be it can just be um you know created for the most people to watch it and uh you know at some point like and i've said this uh on shows before like 
if kids can't see these movies, they're going to move on to other characters. And I want kids to love mm-hmm. Batman and Superman and, you know, Wonder Woman and Green Lantern. But they don't get them. You know, I, I said we live in a post-Batman world. I really feel like we do cinematically. Um, you know, Black Panther, billion dollars. Guardians of the Galaxy, billion dollars. Like characters that have no like pop culture, like life before, you know, 2016, 2017, you know, 2014. And Batman, who's the king of cinema, I would say not really, not anymore. If his movie with Superman can't make a billion bucks in a billion dollar, like, like expectation world. Uh, I, I feel, I feel like Warner brothers might be shaking a little bit on that. Like mm-hmm. Matt Reeves, the Batman will, will let us know if maybe he can bounce back. But um, I don't know, man, I feel, I feel like there's a little heartache there because they didn't care for their, their toys, <laughs> you know, like you got to take yep. care of your toys. And that means maybe you can't get risky and, and tell a sad Superman story where he's like, why don't people like me? You know, like, <laughs> that's what we got. And I understand that film and I, and I like the film, but mm-hmm. taking myself out of the picture, being objective, that's not how you build like a gigantic sweeping franchise. You know, if you're going to copy Marvel, you sure did a bad job copying the homework, you know? So yeah. it, it's interesting point that you bring up. Well, people saying, get your kids to watch Batman, the animated series. You're the paradigm is inversed in some people's mindset. You can't have the niche product on the biggest stage costing the most money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. make Great all the point. jokers you want and put your sad Superman in that, in a Joker type scenario, small budget experimental type film, but mm-hmm. Spending that big money, and you want to have this next generation shepherding these characters forward. Mm-hmm. You got to make this yeah. stuff accessible to them at a young age. Yeah, yeah, totally, man. Wow, guys, look, that was a a fantastic discussion. It's it's always great to look back because I think point forward and what will be part two of this discussion over on the Let's Go feed. Oh yeah, is is looking forward at what is next. I think there there is a lot of crazy films we're going to see and there's a lot of i think potential and momentum behind what we're going to see and we're going to discuss this guys very soon over at let's go the flash black adam james Gunn's the suicide squad it it, there's so much happening there's so much even that has been announced that i think will get made i think we're out of this cycle of hey let's announce a whole bunch of stuff and we're not going to make any of it most of the stuff seems to be in some (laughs) form of pre inactive production even with black adam here and I cannot wait to discuss this with you guys in our next big crossover with part two of DC in the modern age. It is going to be very exciting, guys. And I'd like to thank you for joining us here for part one and thank both you, Justin and Chris, for hopping into the nerd room here. I want to give you guys an opportunity to pump the podcast, pump the network, pump your social handles and where everyone can find you guys. Justin, I'll throw it to you first. Yeah. Um, thank, again, thank you, man. This is fun. This is I, I got to shout out my guy, Pete Vera, real quick, because Pete uh, turned me on to you guys about two years ago. And so he's like, you got to listen to these guys. That's my Pete Vera. <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> these guys are so good. You got to listen to them. They're great. These Canadians, guys. So, yeah. So <laughs> shout out to Pete Vera just for uh, being a being a, a podcast like junkie and, and throwing you guys out there. Um, but yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at J underscore Raka. You can find me in my hot takes and I like to stir the pot, but I like to, I actually just like to have a good time. Like it's just, sometimes it's funny to poke fun, even at the things I love. Like I, I, I love all of it and, but it's kind of fun to not take it so seriously. Cause I think we do get so wrapped up into like, we, we make it, you know, 
more serious than it should be. It's like it's just comic book movies, guys. <laughs> right? Like it's it's yeah. <laughs> it's action figures on the screen. So I like to have fun with it. Uh but you follow the network at Let's Go Podcast on Instagram and Twitter or on the website at www.letsgopodcast.com where you can just find, you know, a lot of the content we're doing, like podcasts and you know, articles and and just live shows. We've been doing a lot more of that stuff. And you know, that's that's a good segue into Chris because Chris is like senior contributor over there just killing it with you know everything he's a part of so i'm gonna throw it to my man chris evans we'd like to call him let's go's ass <laughs> <laughs> um you guys to follow me on twitter at that chris evans zero i do a lot of uh, comic book reviews for let's go podcast i also do tv reviews for batwoman unfortunately <laughs> i have a show with dick sednick where we review batwoman and superman lois when it's not on hiatus um, and like Justin said, please follow Let's Go Podcast on Twitter. We always have something fun going on. Yeah, it is the uh, the most productive network on <laughs> or ever, <laughs> I think, in podcasting. And we've had a lot of fun playing with you guys, playing in your sandbox over the last six months or so, so with the Vigilante guys, with you guys, yeah. and hopping on live streams and all that. And I, I really look forward to, to future collaborations here, and one which will be part two of this discussion. And so oh, yeah. keep an eye on Twitter for when that's going to drop over in the Let's Go feed. And, and guys here for, for us, handles, Twitter, at the end of the episode of Carlos and I, find everything that we do over the nerdroom.net. If you want to be a bigger part of the show, you can always email us at the nerdroom at gmail.com. Instagram, the hunt is real, guys, and it's over there. You can find us at the nerdrm there as well. And guys, with part one behind us, we look forward to the future and to part two. But until then, for the nerd room, I'm Tim. And I'm Batman. Follow the Let's oh, yeah. Go Thanks for having podcast us. Yeah. and the network and everything everyone's so doing fun. there. And thank you guys so much for entering the nerd room. And shout out to Pete Vera for being the Nick Fury of the podcast <laughs> yeah. community. There it is. There's your That's stinger right. scene. All right, guys. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> this has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, Sanjay, and Carlos on Twitter at the NerdRM, Troy the Boy87, Sunjabi, and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from the Nerd Room, check out the nerdroom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from The Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.